month, September the 7th, the very last uh, Sunday of the month, is Fresh Start Sunday. This is a great day today uh, because we're starting the countdown. We're starting to get ready uh, because this is one of the big days where we try to invite people to come, uh, check out the church. We are particularly looking at Fresh Start Sunday. We're looking for people who think, who are thinking, my life is not headed the direction I want it to go. I need to turn around somehow. That's what Fresh Start's all about. You may know somebody like that. If you don't, start praying. Either someone you know will start thinking like that because I know you know somebody who needs to turn around. Or that you'll meet somebody who needs to turn around. Be a picnic, you know. He's going to have company over. You ought to feed him. That's just what I'm thinking. All right. I mean, people love these two things. Um, this preparation for the day, uh, for this great day of Fresh Start Sunday, is going to involve uh, praying and purposefully inviting people to come. As we're preparing, and particularly as we are finding and seeking out people to invite, I want you to remember five foundational facts. There's five things that are true about every single person you will ever meet. First of all, every human being created in the image of God. The image of God in us may be warped, marred, distorted, but we are created in the image of God. We all have value and worth. There's not a single person we can write off. Let's pause for a moment. I, I heard something recently that, that uh, kind of... Well, I, I, every, I, I write down things that pump me up. This just pumps me up. Anybody else up? But since it does me, I'm just kidding. Because I grew up hearing this. Our church is doing that. And a guy asked a simple question. So exactly where do you draw the line? And who, let's make it a little more personal, who do you exclude? Your mother, your father, your grandma, your grandkids, your grand, your, your, your teenagers. Your, I mean, to, to whom do we start saying, "I'm sorry, you can't come here. Our church is bigger than that." people we're looking to touch, to help, your friends, your family, people you know here in this town, this community, in these people. There's a lot of them. I just want to encourage you to be praying and looking for 
Telling you the five foundational truths, and I gave you one, and then I just launched into the rest of the sermon. And you'll get, you know, let's back up for a moment. Uh, yeah, the second thing everybody's made in God's image and has value, and we're not going to turn anybody away. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your support. Life is a lot easier when I have support. Everybody's made in Wesley called it provenient grace, or, or the grace that goes before. Or whatever you want to call it, the Spirit of God is at work in all human beings, no matter what their religion, no matter what their morality or lack of morality, no matter what they've done or haven't done. He is encouraging them to begin to ask questions about what they believe and how they're living so that they begin to think as Unselfish, unconditional love. The, the longing is, is 
part of our spiritual DNA. It's part of being created in the image of God is to, to know and experience unconditional love. And we live in a world that's full of disappointment, cynicism, fear, all kinds of negativity that muffles and never really completely drowns out the Heavenly Father's call to come into a relationship with Him, to be loved, cared for. It's always there in the background. The Holy Spirit's always talking, always calling, always making people hungry for that love they were created to experience. And it's amplified is bearing God's mercy and His kindness to get serious with the people and experience wonderful transformation of the heart. Looks like everybody's moving into God and not turning in anyway. God's already at work in every person you've ever met. Calling us to be that things about each person or the gifts from God, the little things about them that makes them believe as opportunities to redeem and change them. The third thing is people are hungry for encouragement and love and we have it to share. Now, I grew up in church. But for most of those times, I felt like a failure. Grew up being taught that we're witnessing the responsibility of Jesus. Talking about Jesus is something you have to do. You don't want to be like Jonah and get swallowed by a whale, do you? I told you, you're looking at me like, what? Well, let me explain to you that which is one of those Bible lessons I, I remember. God's very word. Some of maybe a few of you have heard of it being. He was teaching children's church that spell out big meetings. And she taught us that story. Now, Jonah was afraid to witness to the Nevites. So he got on a boat and went to go to Tarsus and threw him overboard. He was swallowed by a whale. Don't you be afraid to witness. Imagine my relief about ten years later when I read that whole book in Jonah and found out that Jonah's problem wasn't fear, it was hatred. He wasn't scared of calling them Ninevites. He wanted them to go to hell. Okay, that's what he liked. He wanted God to judge them. He went the other way because he knew if he went, they'd turn around and God would be merciful and forgive them. He wasn't afraid to tell. He didn't want them to know. Oh. I'm like, I know these people. So I don't need to worry about the world. He's talking about Jesus with something that you ought to do, you have to do, something that you you don't think you're going to be in trouble. All the people who 
in February, because everybody really needs Jesus, okay? Those who are marching in the parade of victory, the smell of life, for those who are 
who are defeated is the ones who are defeated by the way are not other human beings. Jesus didn't defeat people on the cross. He defeated all the forces of darkness and evil. Satan and his angels and his demons. But God, we are the smell of death. Every time the forces of evil bump into a Christian, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, they smell their death. But that's the picture. We have fragrance, and Paul says, who's equal to the best? In other words, who in their right mind wants to go toe to toe with the devil? Who in their right mind wants to fight the forces of hell to bring people out into God's kingdom? He goes on to say, I want to mean we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, we try to speak before God with sincerity, by being sent from God. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You, yourself, you are our letters, written on our hearts. Known and read by everybody, you show that we are letters. We are letters of in the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence is ours through Christ before God. Not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. This is what we get back, he said. Remember? He answers it right here. Not me, but God looking for me. Confidence does not come from us, comes from God. He has made us confident as ministers of the new covenant, not of the, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, for the spirit gives life. There's two things I want to point out what Paul's saying here. Evangelism and witnessing grow out of who we are. We are the aroma of Christ. Incense smells good because incense is incense. That's real, that's real deep logic. Let me try that one more time. Incense smells good because incense is incense. Now, some people taste those places they think is different than perfumes and that kind of stuff. That smells good to one of those things. That smells good to everybody. But I have yet to find anybody who wants to burn an incense or wear perfume or an accessory or cologne that smells like a smoke. Right? We think that it smells good to us. And it smells good to us because it smells good to us. And we are the aroma of Christ. We are the, the aroma that smells good to people around us because Jesus smells good and He lives in us. We are a letter. You are a letter, He says. You are a letter from Christ. And I wrote a letter to the Bay City community in 
rightfully left with the promise to go to heaven, but instead, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. You get the order? The Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In fact, he says, and you will be witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Evangelism, this is something you can bank on and share. Evangelism is more than declaring a detailed doctrine, a detailed message. It is becoming a living message of God's love to other people. Evangelism is far more than declaring a detailed message. It is becoming a living message of God's love. You're not a witness. You are not a witness. Oh, you not only can't let me get this backwards. I said that completely wrong. You're not a witness. You not only can't let me, you are a witness. God works through your words and actions to know you to draw people around you to Jesus. That's the story of the early church. There's a sociologist named Ronnie Stubbs who wrote a brilliant book called The Rise of Christianity. And in it, he describes how a little group of 120 people in their upper room in a little town called Jerusalem in the Roman Empire became the most powerful force in the Roman Empire and beyond. And he talks about the fact that one of the things that has set Christians apart from everybody else was when they retreated others. There were two great plagues epidemics in the early centuries after Jesus. Most people, if someone took care of them when they got sick, they were they were in terrible place because if somebody took care of them, they they survived, they got well. They just needed someone to take care of them. But most people in the Roman Empire, if you got sick, your family moved. You remember Rodney Dangerfield? Um, I thought apparently bad family. Well, that was kind of the Roman Empire. If you got sick, your family moved, but they didn't let you come. You get sick, you're on your own. Unless the church of Christians are on. Because when their family got sick, they stayed in good care of them, and they took care of the next door neighbor who was sick, and the next door neighbor, and the next door neighbor. All of a sudden, you know, all these people are being loved by the love of Jesus. What's up? Well, let me tell you, the only reason I'm doing this is because I know what Jesus would do. This is exactly what he would do. He would be with you and he would help you heal. People do not like Christians because of their evangelistic activity. Let's just be honest. There's nobody. Nobody likes to hear the message that you're God's man of God. No one wants to. No one wants you to stand up and tell them Jesus is the only way to know the heavenly Father. People don't like that. We get turned down. 
that when you're the only person that loves them, the Holy Spirit takes that as an encouragement and you go, well, wait a minute. They're the only people that love me. Maybe they know something I don't know. Maybe the question that comes to maybe they know someone I don't know. For many Christians, the words evangelism carries a massive amount of emotion, and most of them are negative. It costs feelings like guilt, fear, fear of pity, desperation, hostility, grief, loss. We've been taught. To approach sharing the words about Jesus as something we do to others. We do tell them. But letting others know about God's life, changing love is something that the Holy Spirit does through us. Jesus told us we will be his witnesses. You will be my witnesses. The Spirit lives in us. Evangelism is more than declaring a detailed message. It is becoming a living message of God's love to the people around us. And when the time comes, our message is simple. It's really not complicated. Because of our attitudes and our actions, of saying, I'm going to do my own thing, we push God out of our lives. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus, the Lamb of God, died on the cross to take away both our guilt and our shame. His blood, the sacrifice for our sin, has taken away guilt. He poured out perfect, pure, unconditional love on the cross, and that removes our shame. Through grace, God makes wrong things right. He restores. That he's created us to be. He steps personally into our space and invites our time and invites us to swap stories. This is the most amazing thing. He entered the James when he prayed, Our stories are his. When we sing about amazing grace, I want you to, to remember that this is what God's done for us. Jesus lived the perfect life, perfectly obedient life. He did everything God asked him to, up to and including dying on the cross. He was never disobedient. He had no guilt. He had no shame. He honored his Father in everything he did. And he should have a great reward, right? None of us have lived a life completely free of disobedience. But we have. But we don't deserve a great reward, do we? But Jesus comes to us through His Holy Spirit and says, 
was blocked. I'll take your reward if you'll take mine. Give you everything that God gives you for being perfectly obedient sons. If you will let me take all the consequences of your rebellion and disobedience, of all the sinful things you've done, instead of that, He gives you the reward for your stuff, and I give you the reward for mine. And this is undeniable. We see people upset on a redemption. Redemption. It's usually that simply how followers of Jesus interact with the world. It's not a program, it's not a process, it's a life. It is and it flows from who we are and what we do. What we do in our relationship with Jesus. Since I've been blessed, I find ways to bless. Since I've been healed, I try to find a way to bring healing. Since I've been saved, I serve. In other words, found people find people. So the Holy Spirit invites us to join Him in a lifestyle of bringing others for Jesus by lovingly paying attention to Him. These simple acts are gentle measures that remove your friends and family and loved ones for Jesus. These measures are not us doing something for God or doing something to somebody else. It is God working in us and through us to bring to completion what He's already started doing in that person's life. There's four kinds of measures. There's four kinds of ways that we can we can help people. There are actual kinds. The early church did. We talked about the first church a few moments ago. Everybody at the first church, who told the church loved them enough to stay with them?